This is the Drums Resource Podcast, session 520. And the quote of the day is, you don't discover your path, you create it. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 520. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for checking it out. And if this is your first episode, welcome to the family. I appreciate you. And I always say I always say if this is your first episode because I have no idea where people are finding this when they, when they start listening. So if this is your first episode, hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. Just say, hey, Nick, 520 was my first episode. It's the greatest podcast I've ever heard in my entire life, and I'm so glad that you make this podcast. Or you can tell me it sucks. Either way. Uh, but... Uh, please don't do that. Uh, well, actually, I like constructive criticism, but uh, anyway, so I want to get into the guest for today. It is with Jonathan Ullman, and Jonathan Ullman is a session drummer in the Boston area. In fact, he has been named the best session musician of the year for 2016, 17, and 18 by Boston Music Awards. And this conversation is great because we talk about how you can build a thriving career in maybe not the the hotbed of, of music. So he doesn't live in LA, he doesn't live in Miami, he doesn't live in Nashville, but he has built this amazing career for himself. And not only does he talk about the ways that he did it, but he also talks about the the ways that you can do it as well and breaks down like the steps of, of how he did everything. And he talks about how he understood that he needed to learn business. So he went back to school and, and there's a lot of information in here for anyone who is trying to either start a session career or trying to start a local gigging career. And I've been, I've said this for a long time that there are a lot of cities around the country that you can play locally and you can make a really decent living. And I, you know, the interesting part is I don't feel like you can do that in LA and I don't feel like you can do that in New York. Most people that, you know, who live in LA or live in New York are going elsewhere to play and but you know, for years I lived in a in a in a smaller city out or a smaller town outside of Philadelphia and had a and had a great career there uh, and saw many people who were who were just playing locally. Uh, I was touring too, but just playing locally who were making great careers. So it's possible, uh, is all I'm saying. So we're gonna get into all of that with Jonathan Ullman, and let's not waste any more time. Here he is, the one and only Jonathan Ullman. Jonathan, what's up, dude? Hey, dude, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, dude, I'm I'm like this is like two years in the making. I'm I'm like beyond excited to be a part of this. Well, that makes me uh, both feel good and nervous. So I don't want to. <laughs> I better not. Uh, <laughs> I better not blow it. <laughs> I've been prepping for this moment for two years. <laughs> yeah. Every day at the Every in the day. gym. He's gonna call. He's gonna call. <laughs> Uh, so there, there's a lot for us to talk about and we talked about some of it off air. Um, but I want to get a little bit, I want to get a little of the backstory of, of how you got into playing in the first, in the first place. Um, it's always interesting to hear how the one, how the career path sort of goes, but also at what age you got the bug and sort of, you know, really started to fall in love with drumming. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I love starting off with that. You know, it was actually, you know, growing up, 
I wasn't really part of a musical family, but my parents understood the value of having an instrument in the house. So they had piano and they would hire a piano teacher to come over. And I just wasn't drawn to it. I mean, I did it. And then, you know, I sat next to the, I can't even remember who the teacher was, but I'd sat next to it. And there was a point in which the, the teacher kind of said to my parents, listen, like he, he just can't focus on this is not, doesn't seem to be the right instrument. So the, it just sort of happened that the next step was that somebody, a neighbor had a snare drum and, um, my parents kind of brought it home and they had one symbol. Like it came with like, they let us borrow. It was a snare drum, a stand and a symbol, but no, um, no stand for the symbol. So I, I remember and very fondly remember my brother sitting next to me with a dowel and he would hold the symbol <laughs> next to the snare drum so that I could kind of like play the, play the symbol and the snare at the same time. And, it was a Young, very younger tri- brother or older brother. He's an older brother, yeah. Um, really, and, and I have a I have a photo of it. It's pretty funny, just like in the living room with him just standing there, being like his face is like, oh my god, quit hitting this thing right next to my face. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> and so I kind of, you know, at that point, I think I was about nine or ten years old, probably nine years old, and there was something, you know, it wasn't even the drums, uh, and without going into the psychology of how my brain works, there was something about this repetitive, um, symmetry of using your arms and making patterns with, you know, with the sticks and having them repeat. That was very relaxing for me. And, you know, as I grew up in life, I sort of found that like there, it's a very, uh, prevalent part of my life, that repetitive nature is something that's very calming. So mm-hmm. having your limbs do something that's very, um, uh, the patterns are symmetrical and, and, um, and, you know, you can make music just by doing these, you know, very rudimentary movements with your, with your arms and your wrists and stuff like that. It was, it was something I was immediately drawn to. And there was a, the, my parents noticed it right away. So they were like, okay, I guess this is the right instrument. And, you know, as as time kind of went on, you know, I acquired a drum set and then I could work on like limb independence and stuff like that. But um, so I'd say about nine years old is when I got the bug that drums were something that I wanted to to do. And, you know, you know, always tapping my fingers and, and you know, my leg never stops moving kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. the right instrument for, you know, my kind of personality, I think. Yeah, I think we all I think we all feel that and there's plenty of people who I know that, you know, started with some instrument and it just I mean even myself I started with guitar and I was like, mm, this I don't understand how to use this thing." Yeah, right? Yeah. And <laughs> the tips of my fingers hurt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "I don't I just don't what do these knobs do?" And yeah. there's there's just too much going on. Yeah. Um but the but I always think about that are there are there particular types of people who play particular types of instruments, right? Like if you didn't play drums and you say you didn't play an instrument, would you naturally just be like a fidgety person or is that just something that we make up on our minds? No, I definitely, I mean, I absolutely think so. Nobody used to sit next to me in class just because my like, leg would not stop moving (laughs) my pencil would not stop tapping on the on like the table and stuff like that so i think i if it wasn't for drum people are like oh he plays the drums that's really cool if it wasn't they'd be like what's up with that kid he's making there's something wrong with him right (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i do think it's it's definitely i feel like i feel like the majority of drummers probably have you know a 
some sort of sensation that the drums become this sort of calming element um, too, because it allows you to do what your body naturally wants to do and actually make music doing it. And I feel like the other instruments come with too much. Um, they come with too much pressure because if you start hitting the wrong things, the wrong notes or the wrong keys, it's like, ugh, I can't hear that. But with the drums, it's like, nope, these are just, these are just p patterns and stuff like that. So there's nothing, you can never hit something that's going to sound bad, you know? Right. Um, right. It's just a different, it's just a, you know, a different, um, it comes across as a different output. And so all, you know, the drums sort of have this sound to them and whatever pattern you use on them is the pattern that you're going to get back. And I feel like it's a lot more rewarding when you don't have the pressure of learning piano. But if you stink at piano, everyone's going to know. But if you, if you can kind of like stink at the drums, people will be like, Oh man, that's, he's very jazzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's very progressive. Uh, yeah, he's so progressive. But I think that was that always used to bother me when I was younger. When I, you know, when I was like fifteen, sixteen years old, and then someone would, I would play drums, and then someone would be like, "Well, let me get up there and try," and they sit behind the drums, and they're they're literally making the same sounds I am. It may not sound as good, yeah. it may not have as much feel and vibe and all that to yeah. it, but they're still making the same sounds. And it always yeah. irritated me that like I'm like, oh, anyone can play the drums. You know, it, I don't know why it was, I mean, cause I was 15 and, and whatever, everything bothered me, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but, but on, the, but the other side of it is like you said, I think it is extremely rewarding when you can sit down and you can make the sounds. Like if you pick up a violin, you can't do anything with it, right? If yeah. you've never played it before, or if you pick up a guitar, you can just make some noise, but even, you know, it doesn't sound good, but with drums, you're like, oh, this kind of sounds cool. And you can, yeah. you can kind of teach yourself how to how to play well yeah exactly i mean that one of the cool things is i mean play any song like you know for the most part any song and what however you would tap your foot at a concert or a show if you just do that on a kick drum it's gonna sound good like if if you have some sort of rhythm in your body you can actually add something to the song so imagine doing that or imagine tapping on the hi-hat while a song's going i mean you've already put two you know, parts of the drum set to a song and it probably sounds pretty good. I mean, you can't just sit behind a piano and play along with something and, and hope it sounds good. If it doesn't sound good, it's not going to sound good. Right. But that's the kind of the cool thing about drums is you get an immediate satisfaction. So um, I think that helps with the fact that you would want to stick with that instrument longer because you're like, okay, I want to get better at this, even though I, the first time I used it, it didn't sound that bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> You had mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned it off air or not, about, about formal training and and about not sort of going through a, a ton of formal training. Were you totally self-taught or did you take some lessons to get your get your bearings a little bit? Uh, I had no formal – I mean, obviously, piano lessons, I, I think they were trying to teach me, you know, the read music and stuff like that, but I, I can't really remember. But with the drums, it was all, all self-taught. There were – times in my life where I would, you know, if I was in a position where I was with somebody either on the road who was a, you know, an educator and they were showing me, you know, maybe proper technique, uh, you know, to help with, you know, muscle, you know, um, you know, going easier on your muscles when you're playing and stuff like that. But there was no, no formal training. It was all sort of self-taught and, 
in a way, I kind of, you know, I look back at like, I, oh, some things I wish I had learned to do the proper way because, you know, maybe my body wouldn't get so tired at the end of a set or something like that. But in, in another way, I'm like, I got to the point in my career by just having a passion for the instrument and and wanting to get better on my own. Um, and so it's kind of like a two two ended uh, two way street. It's like, yes, I do wish I had formal training because I watch what these kids can do these days who all have formal training. I mean, they are they are far superior in sort of technical abilities than I am. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, without getting too far ahead, a lot of my career is based on simple grooves that I taught myself at a young age. So when I'm in the studio, you know, all of that flash and flare is unnecessary and a lot of people will not bother with it for records. But when you have more rudimentary beats that are that are on the more basic level, you can make a living as a studio musician because that's kind of what they want. So in a sense, I wish I, I'm gl kind of glad that I never got so proficient at the instrument that I would get bored with that, with those, you know, you know, rudimentary patterns that are what make my career successful now. Right. I mean, well, let's just rewind a little bit. I wouldn't say that you're not proficient on the instrument by any means. Uh, but I think that, I think that everyone has their, their thing and like everyone has their style and everyone has their, their lane. I, I think the golden thing is, is finding what it is that that you're really good at yeah um and i think that or i know that you've done that right and and you look at anyone like you look at someone like tony royster jr is really good at doing what he does right yeah. brian frazier moore is really good at doing what he does on the flip side you know like a St steve jordan is really good what he does steve gadd is really good what he does yeah. and i i feel like what makes a drummer great is that they they find their lane and they stay in it and they're yeah. and they're the best at it yeah was it was it a a conscious decision for you to say, this seems to be what I'm really good at. This is really what I like. And I'm just going to focus on that. And I'm not going to worry about trying to like, you know, play 240 BPM paradiddles with my feet. Yeah. yeah I, I, it's exactly, it is exactly the way you, the way you said it. I am, I don't feel threatened by, you know, the, you know, the, the up and coming drummers that can do stuff on the kit. That's like mind blowing. It's fun to watch, but I, you know, in my world, it's completely useless for, you know, making a living at it. So, right. um, so I, I, I don't go on, um, you know, it was really, it was really funny. One time I went to a interview at, with David Garibaldi and he, and his big thing was that he's like, don't watch YouTube like run your own race. You don't need to see what else is out there in order to be um, confident in what you bring to the table. And so that always sort of rang true with me is like, I, I know what I can do. I know what I'm good at. I've had years of experience doing it. Maybe it's, you know, that I'm a little bit older at this point, but like, I know what works. I know where my value lies. And the things that I work on are just making sure that I can step into any situation with confidence. And I don't feel like I need to spend, you know, hours and hours and hours learning to do things that I'll never, I'll never sort of use. I mean, I, I'm, I'm appreciative and certainly like enamored by what people can do on their instrument. And it's really exciting to watch, but you kind of, kind of get to the point where you're like, 
I've, I've carved this niche and people hire me because they like my sound that I built a career on doing something for many, many years. And when I get hired, they're like, no, I want Jonathan Allman. I like how he played on these records that I'm, that are really influential to me. And so, yeah, why would I, why would I at this point change my, you know, what I've built my legacy around? Mm hmm. Well, I would, legacy is a strong word, but built my career, my reputation around. Well, how did, did you, was there a point in time that you figured that out? Did you search for that or was that just a natural progression for you? <laughs> I think I probably went on, uh, went on YouTube and tried to do what somebody <laughs> else is doing. And you're like, you know what? I'm happy with myself. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good here. <laughs> I'm, I'm good enough. I'm sorry. Um, so you're like, oh, four, four. Hold on. Let me, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I can play this kick drum four on the floor. Perfect. Yeah, um, let's do that. <laughs> And so, uh, no, there was no point. I think, I think what it was, was I came kind of, you know, like, I, you know, I'm almost, I'm 39 years old now. So I think I missed, you know, I, I kind of missed a lot of, you know, the, the current state of the industry with this like chops and, and all this stuff because social media wasn't, wasn't really around then. So it was like, all I knew was what I knew how to do. Of course I knew what other drummers could do, but you know, they were in bands doing what they were doing. So I kind of was like, oh, I'm doing this and, and it works for the bands and the and the gigs that I'm playing on. So I'm just happy to play the drums. So I, I don't think I ever, I think by the time I was like, whoa, look what other people can do out there. I think I was already at a point in my career where I was like, I'm doing pretty good right now. I, and I don't see the value in, a, in learning to try and compete with what, what other people are doing. Right. Right. I, and I've talked about this at nauseum on, on the podcast. So, you know, we don't necessarily need to go down it because I'm sure that everyone's like eyes are rolling back in their head right about now because, uh, but I think it is, uh, you and I are, are the same age. So, um, I, I'm, you know, obviously didn't grow up with social media and things like that. And I think the part that I always want to stress is that if you want to go onto social media and you want to use it for inspiration and you, and you know, you want to learn new things. Great. I think that's amazing. Uh, the, the problem is in some of the detrimental side that I see of social media is one, like you said, you're going on and, and like, there's just all of this stuff just flying at your face. Right. And you're mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's like, it's like drinking out of a fire hose and, and yeah. how, like, how can you even like, where do you even start? Right. How do you know who knows what or what? And you look at someone and you're like, oh, well, if they have 30,000 followers, then obviously, you know, they're doing something right. And that's not necessarily the case. And someone could have seven followers and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing something wrong. So it's like the vetting of information that you're getting on YouTube or, or any other social platform, um, is the, the one sort of negative aspect of it. And the other is, is, just being discouraged and and watching these videos and thinking, oh, I'll never be that good or this person's so much better than me or they're getting more gigs than I am or something. And the thing that we don't realize is you may be five years into your journey and they're 18 years into their journey. Right, right. You know, and, yeah. and how do you, you know, it's funny, I, I'll just like, Let's just put it out there because I, I, I'm big on, you know, I'm big on being transparent. And so there was this partnership that happened between a guy named Scooter Braun and another company la okay. yesterday that I read. Yeah. So Scooter Braun uh, manages Justin Bieber, which everyone laughs about. But uh, but he also like he has a huge, massive like entertainment company he has a movie studio and and yeah. just bought big machine records. I mean, this dude's like a powerhouse. Right. Yeah. And he's same age as me. 
And I'm like, damn, I need to get my shit together. But also, I was laying in bed and I was, and because I'm like be- building this media company and all this stuff, and I was sort of like beating myself up about it. And I said, he started doing this when he was 19. Yeah. I didn't start building any of this when I was 19. Right, right. You know, and like, I think that's, and I apologize. I just like hijacked this because I, but I think it's an important thing to realize that like, you've no idea how long someone's been working at something before they yeah. got to, to the point that you're comparing it, comparing yeah. yourself to. Yeah, I, I, I totally, I, I mean, I'm totally agree with you. I mean, I see the, I mean, I absolutely see the value of social media, but it's, it's a very, um, you know, it's, it's, it's there's the lines are blurred between what's reality and what's not reality. I mean, with with social media, I can present any thing that I want to the world, whether it's true or not, and people would would ne- not know half the difference. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like you, I see the value. You got to use it for what it is. But on the flip side of that, it's like you can look to people for for inspiration. But when you start comparing them based on very little information that you have or whatever they're presenting to the world, it gets to a point where you've lost sight of, you know, why you're doing this in the first place. So it's, you know, one of the things like with that scooter, uh, scooter Braun thing, it's like I've always sort of said it's like I can control 99 percent of you know, my destiny to an extent, 99 percent. There's one, especially in our industry, there's that one percent that's luck. Mm-hmm. I can control 99% of, you know, my destiny and my career. There's this 1% that I can't control, which is the luck piece of the puzzle. So, you know, and, and that's that, that 1% is so huge because that's the piece that like will either catapult you to stardom or it will keep you kind of running in the same sort of vein of success, you know, for the rest of your career. But for, for that 99%, I can be prepared. I can be confident in what I'm doing. Um, and I can, I can get myself ready so that when that luck piece presents itself, I'm ready to, to capitalize it, not capitalize on it. And I feel like a lot of people lose sight of that. They just look at success as this, piece that is, you know, high visibility, high followers, you know, all the attention is on you. And for me, that's not, that's not even the success. You want to know what success for me is, is I play the drums. I make a a pretty good living doing it and I get to do it every day. I've, I've made it to the point of success that, that I was hoping to make it on, for, you know, when I was young and wanted to do this as a career. So mm-hmm. at this point, I'm successful. I'm doing this day in and day out and I'm making a living at it. So anything after that is just, you know, additional success. But when w- social media, it's presented this like fake, um, this fake uh, uh, um, position as to what people compare success to. It's like if they can't be high visibility and and the uh, name recognition to everybody around the world then then it's not even worth trying and it's like we were sort of talking about this off off air um but you have to kind of wrap your head around what your idea of success is and there's a whole middle area of success that people do very well um they just may or may not ever like 
come across your plate as someone to be acutely uh, acutely aware of. And mm-hmm. so and so I feel like it puts so much pressure on these the younger generation to be like, well, if I can't get to this level of superstardom, then I'm going to go just try to find a different area to to um, work, you know, uh, work on my craft with. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's not that's not a that's not a great way to think about it because you've now you've lost sight in why why you wanted to do this in the first place. I love playing drums like it, that's at the root of it. That's all I want to do. I love playing drums. And if it ever gets to the point where I don't love playing drums, then I'm going to have to do something else. And I found success playing drums in every day. I still love getting up and playing drums. I mean, I have a little bit of visibility. I think some people know who I am and they like what I'm doing. But, I, you know, it sometimes only barely covers the mortgage of the house, you know, and that kind of stuff. But I feel like I've I've made huge strides to be as successful as I can be at this point. I think your scooter story is very relevant. It's like it for a minute. You're like, you know, what the hell? This guy started. He's the same age as me. And he's like a mega mega millionaires doing all the stuff that I want to do. And then it took you a minute to lie down in bed and be like, you know what? He, that His story is different. He got, you know, he got lucky. He got a lucky break and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and, and get myself, you know, prepared for when my opportunity presents itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're never immune to it. Right. So yeah. like, even with the success that I've had, in my playing career, even the success that I've had with drummers resource, like when you go into these new, when you go into these new areas or try to go to the next level or, you know, go up the next step, then all of that stuff starts flooding our brains again. All of that sort of fear of failure, insecurity, you know, comparison to other people, all of that stuff. Like I, I, we're never immune to it. And we have to, I think that, that over time you develop a muscle to get better at, at, sort of flipping that that switch faster right yeah and being more self-aware of oh wait a minute i'm just this is just me you know looking at someone and 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 comparing myself to that okay i see what's going on here instead of maybe years ago when when you and i were younger probably waited in that a lot longer right yeah yeah um so i think that that muscle i think that that muscle develops for sure um for you where do you think others where do you think others should start along that journey is it sitting down and defining what success looks like for them because i i want to be i want to clarify what you and i are talking about too when we're saying success we're not even talking about money we're not even talking about making drums your career if you if success for you is like i want to play in a band every sunday at church that's yeah. like then that's it then that's yeah. what it is for you yeah. um so what what's your take on that? If if do you think that that's the first step is really sitting sitting down and and being honest with yourself about what you really want? Yeah, I think that your your analogy right there was was a perfect a perfect way to kind of uh, in a very simple form. It's like I want I want to play in a band at church every Sunday, and if you do that, then you you have got you have been successful at what you wanted to do and you're just i'm just you know you can take it a step for, further and keep kind of setting your expectations and your goals a little bit higher for me when i sort of wrap my head around what it is that i want to do i was like i want to play drums every day i would love to play drums every day okay i play drums every day you know as later in life i was like well i'd like to kind of make a living 
playing drums every day so that I can get up and know that that's what I have to do. Today. I get to get behind the kit and then I can pay some of my bills. Well, I got to that. I, I got to that point. And for me, that was the plat. That was the plateau. It was like, I'm doing that. When the day that I realized that I can get up every day, play the drums and make a little bit of a living, I was like, I made it. I did what I said I was going to do. And every little bit of success after that is an added benefit. But on the, on the foundation of it, I got to the point where I said at a, at a younger age, I would like to make a little bit of a living playing drums every day. And I did that. So I think, yes, you can sit down and, and it's a good thing to do and say, what is it that I want to do? How, how, I love playing the drums. How do, how do I define what success would be? If, if you're like, I want to be the most famous drummer on the planet. Well, that's great. But you maybe um, may find very quickly that you're going to get discouraged by setting the bar so high because you're you're reliant on, you know, a lot of pieces that you have no control over. So right. that's the most uh, important thing is you can control your work ethic. Right. But you can't control that that aspect of human, per, not even perception, but uh, human taste. Yeah. And. You can be the greatest drummer in the world, but if nobody likes what you're playing or you don't end up in the most famous band in the world or list a hundred other reasons why, you know, why it won't happen for you, you can't control any of that. So I, right. I that's, that's a one, one uh, caveat that you, that you bring up that I think is important, but keep going. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, no, 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 that's okay. And, and, and I feel like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, um, you know, discourage anybody from setting their goals that high because, you know, if you, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But you got to remember in this particular industry, in this art and music and culture, you know, industry is, there's not a whole lot of guarantees. Like if you wanted to be a school teacher, when you, then you could go to school and most likely you could be a school teacher, which is great. We, we just happen to pick something that has very little guarantees, but if you can strip away the fame and fortune piece to it and say, listen, what what is a step below fame and fortune? I want to be in a band that has some success in tours and I want to be on a tour bus and stuff like that. You could probably work towards that. And that could be a really, you know, attainable goal. Again, it, it relies that your band is good enough to get to that that position. But for me, it was always about my love for playing this instrument. I re it's very therapeutic for me. It's something that, that makes me a better person. I feel like I'm a better person to others that when I get to what, when I play the drums, because it's something that makes me happy. And when I'm happy, I'm, you know, probably more enjoyable to be around. So I was like, how do I take this thing that makes me really happy and also understand that to make a living, you got to pay bills and you got to support, you know, your family and, and that, you know, there comes with a financial ramification and stuff like that. So I was like, how do I do this? And so at first it started with, well, I love playing drums. So I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to have a job that pays my bills so that I can still play drums on the side and not have any, any restrictions with that. And then as I kept working at that, it got to the point where I was like, Oh, I don't have to work as much at a job. I don't want to work at this, dr this drumming thing is starting to make a little bit of money. And I kind of went a little bit further. So I was getting closer to reaching this like goal of being able to play drums and make a living. And once I got to that point, it was like, Holy shit, I, I'm, I made it 
as I, at, at, by the time I was 35 years old, I was a successful drummer in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Maybe not to somebody else, but in my eyes and in my, you know, control of my own uh, destiny, I, I became a success. And right. that made me feel really good. And that's it. That's the only person you have to be worried about is the person when you look in the mirror, the it, person who's looking back at you, right? Exactly. And I feel like a lot of people look to, and when we kind of, that kind of cycles back to the social media thing. It's a very, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're looking for that gratification from others. Whereas you probably, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those people that you think are living the dream are probably having trouble looking at themselves in the mirror and being happy with it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. There was one thing that you that you touched on and also that you and I talked off air about that I that I want to go back to is the notion of thinking that you can either, you know, be the most famous drummer in the world and you're on the cover of Modern Drummer magazine and you're playing with this huge band or you're this starving broke artist. And what I believe and I, you know what you and I talked about uh off air is the fact that the middle ground, I would say the, the, you know, the largest percentage of people who are doing it as a career and, and doing it as a full-time career are in that middle ground. Mm -hmm. They're not mm -hmm. the most famous people and they're not the people who can, who are barely making it by and struggling to pay their bills. They're the people in the middle. And I, I think that, you know, they call it a working musician for a reason. It's a, yeah. it's a blue collar working class job. It yeah. really is. You know, Absolutely. I mean, it's a really fun job, but, but, uh, but it's a, it's a grind and it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a sort of like a middle-class job, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that people's uh, view of this is, is a little bit skewed because yeah, the very small percentage of people who are at the very, very top of the industry who, who are sort of the name brand of quote unquote, the drummers in the, in the world. And on the extreme opposite of that, the people who are like just struggling, struggling to get by and, you know, uh, playing drums, but like, can't, can't like afford to do anything. I feel like th those are the, the lesser of the uh, majority of the population who, who um, are actually doing this very successfully. I mean, there are, I used to, I used to like watch bands who I've never like heard of before who are making, you know, incredible money because, you know, they're, they're either touring relentlessly um, and, you know, they, they're, they're doing well enough to get their music placed in the right, you know, the right uh, playlist and making some money doing it or drummers who are like playing with, you know, very successful bands that you probably have never even heard about and are making a good weekly rate, uh, you know, on tour all the time. Like those people are, are hugely successful. And I think that, I think that this is another reason why, why everything gets so skewed with the, with the, with the social media and, um, what people l look at as being successful is, as long as you can do something you love and make a living at it, then you've reached the point of ultimate success in my eyes. And there are people who I know people who just teach like lessons three days a week to, to people online 
and they don't have to work another job at all. They can cover their bills and do all that. I mean, that's to me is like they've made it. They've made it as a musician. They're mm -hmm. literally paying everything that they need to pay and living life and doing what they need to do by teaching some people over Skype lessons three days a week. Like, mm -hmm. can you say that about any other job that you have? I mean, if you have a day job, you're not working three days a week for three hours a day. Right. So, so I feel like you, that's a, that's a good reason to go back and say, okay, what is it that I want to accomplish? Like, what is my idea of success? Is my idea of success that I can do this for a living? Then there are so many options for how you can do that. I mean, I do, I do just as well, um, photographing like drums and equipment as I do playing the drums because people are like, Hey, I like what you, how you present your instrument in a very like a, t a st uh, eh, aesthetically pleasing way. I want to hire you to photograph, you know, my stuff, blah, blah, blah. Well, I just made a good amount of money photographing drums. I'm not even playing the drums. So right. it's like, there's lots of opportunities to be financially successful and have the core of it kind of be, um, you know, that I just want to be in and around drums, playing them, photographing them, anything that has to do with that. That's what I want to do on a day in day out basis. Mm -hmm. That, that fame piece to the puzzle is, is always weird. I don't, I mean, I never wanted to be, I feel like I played the drums because I wanted to be in the back and have nobody pay attention to me. I just wanted to put the groove to the song. So like being in everybody's face as like the face of an instrument, like that was never appealing to me. So if you, if that's what you're looking for, I, I just feel like your, your sort of priorities are slightly off kilter. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to an extent. Um, but you know, to each their own, I know uh, that's what I say. It, one of the greatest lines of all time is, is run your own race. If you yep. can't run your own race, then, then you're, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for others. Right. Right. And all you, you saying all of that, the one word that I would throw in there is if, if that's what you want to do. Right. Yeah. And it all goes yeah. back to like whatever you want to do. So if the listener wants to be like you and wants to be a session, you know, a session player and wants to do it full time and do this and do that, then do that. And yeah. if you want to play one gig a month and work your accounting job, then do that. If you want to you know, be on the road, all that it's like, it's your life. You should yeah. do whatever, whatever makes you happy, but you should do it for you and not for, for other yeah. people. And I think that that, is you basically summarized it the best way possible. It's it's like um, it's really hard to grasp that 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 people don't look at it from that perspective, and mm -hmm. it, they don't see that it's as simple as um, as you finding enjoyment in something and making yourself happy doing it, and in in and in itself you've become successful at what you're doing. Right. If you haven't already, check out Promark's Select Balance Drumsticks. What they did was take normal standard drumsticks 
and give players the ability to fine-tune that stick for their playing style. Let me give you an example. If you play rock or country or metal, then you can use the forward balance. It's front-weighted, gives you more power and more speed. And if you're playing jazz or funk or gospel, then you can use the rebound balance, which is rear-weighted and gives you more finesse and more agility. Plus, they're made by Promark. You know that you're getting a quality product because they control the entire process, from the forest to the finished drumstick. And they're also paired by pitch and by weight, so there's no guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your bag. Do yourself a favor. Check them out by going to Promark.com. So the new Sonar SQ1s? Yeah. They're sick. They're made out of birch. And the reason why they made them out of birch is because birch has a balanced low, mid, and high range. So they sound great in the studio and they also sound great live. They also have a sound sustainer system. It's a new mounting hardware and it's rubber on metal. And what that does is it completely separates the mounting hardware from the wooden shell. So you're going to get an amazing tonal quality out of these drums. They actually got that from the automotive industry. That's where they learned about this technology. Not only that, I'm a car lover, so this is super cool to me. The colors and style of legendary car classics were the inspiration for the color selection of the SQ1. So there are four matte lacquer finishes that you can choose from. So not only do they sound good, they also look good too. Check them out by going to sonar.com. I want to talk about your career specifically about okay. how how you built because I hear a lot of times when I talk to people I always say what do you want to do and they're like oh I want to tour and I want to build up session work and obviously there's less session work out there now than there used to be but you've carved out your niche you have your you know you're a very in demand player in your area and how how did that process start and how do you suggest that other people can start that process as well? Sure. So um, it's a, I like that question because this is a very relatable topic to a lot of people because we don't all live in the New Yorks and the L.A.s of the world. We live in, you know, we could live in cities or towns and stuff like that. And that shouldn't limit you from, you know, having to move to a logistic logistically to put yourself in a better position. You should be able to do it wherever you are. So um I grew up in Boston and um, I played in bands my whole life. So I I love this city. I love the scene here. It's got all the music that I wanted to. I just found that, you know, after years and years of bands sort of not, I, you know, when you're younger, you set your own expectations of what you want to do. Um, and when you rely on, you know, three or four other people to kind of, you know, make those those goals come true, it can get frustrating if, if if everybody's got different priorities. So, so, you know, I did it for a long, long time and I played in tons and tons of bands and I kind of found that later in life, like, uh, right around my late twenties, I was like, I feel like I need to go and do this on my own. And I, my goal was to, you know, I was like, okay, so if I can start building my name in the session, you know, being a hired, hired gun kind of situation, then maybe I can then take my name and go to LA or I can go to Nashville or I could go to New York and, and build my career a little bit further from there. But as I was going along, I sort of realized that, um, I sort of realized that my competition for the work that was out there was a lot less than when I was talking to friends who were 
you know, competing against 20 or 30 other people for a job. Like I found like I wasn't competing because there was nobody else really putting themselves out there as a, as a session musician. Mm -hmm. So how do you, um, how do you do that? How do you put yourself out there? It's a stupid question, but a, a lot of times you hear people say, well, I just started, you know, putting myself out there as a session musician and I started getting some gigs. How did you do that? So for me, because I, I, already been in the scene for about 20 years the hardest part for me was disassociating myself from the bands that i had played in so it was like for the first couple of years it was like oh this is jonathan he's the drummer for lenny lashley or he's the drummer for talia zedek uh it was like well yes i was but i'm no longer i'm jonathan Allman. i'm just a drummer kind of thing so it took a while to actually get the point across to people that I was independent. So what I would, what I would do. So and this kind of goes back to how, how methodical I did think about things. Um, I went to, I got my undergrad at Northeastern university and I got it in a communications and marketing degree. So I sort of wanted to understand how to sell something, um, how consumers work, how they, uh, embrace things or how they, um, um, how, how they, uh, ugh, I can't even think of the word consume products. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I learned how to do that cause I thought it'd be a valuable resource for something across all industries. So when I was, by the time I made the switch to being a session player, I decided that I would need to market this very effectively in order to be successful. I needed to think about it from a different perspective. So I ended up going back and getting my master's degree in digital media. So basically I wanted to, I already knew how to sell a product, but now I needed to make it attractive to people. So I went back and got my master's degree with the intention of selling myself as a, as a product, as a, as a drummer for hire, instead of just, telling people out there like, oh, hey, I'm a session player. If you want to hire me, you know, my name is Jonathan Allman, blah, blah, blah. I was like, nope, I'm going to market it to people. I'm going to be my own self-sustaining ecosystem. I'm going to do all the photography. I'm going to do all the, the marketing and the imagery and make it aesthetically pleasing. I'm going to present myself as a brand to everybody out there. That way there'd be, I could control the process of how I wanted people to consume me. And it's a really weird way of thinking about it, but I was getting to the point where I was realizing that people weren't taking what I was trying to tell them seriously. They needed to visually see it. Some people are visual learners. So they needed to say, whoa, this kid is telling me and showing me what he wants me to identify him as. So I took a very like, strange route but i understood that at the time it was going to be very competitive if i wanted to go to la if i wanted to go to new york or nashville i needed to be on the forefront of people's mind as a brand so that when i went down there they could separate me even before i did an audition or tried to get the gig that everybody was going for they could already be like i know that kid why do i know him Oh, he's a kid that that's been putting himself out, you know, there in the in the world kind of thing. That's huge when people can separate you just just individually enough to to make you memorable to them. And that's mm -hmm. that makes them maybe they don't want the product, but it actually part of selling is making sure that something sticks in your mind with them. Like when you you probably don't know this, but you ever remember those commercials 
for products where they give you like they'd sing you the telephone number. You can still sing that telephone number now because you heard it when you were like nine years old and it's stuck in your head because you either oh, yeah. hated it um, or it just stuck there. You never purchased anything by them, but you always remember what that commercial was for. And so for me, it was like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted it was going to be too hard for me to convince people who didn't who didn't care or they didn't need me to be their session, a session drummer for them or something like that. But I was going to convince them that I existed out there and that anytime the word session drummer in Boston came up, they'd be like, that's Jonathan Ullman. He's the guy I see his name everywhere. So it was a very strategic way to go about it rather than, I mean, word of mouth is huge, but word of mouth is great for people recommending you for gigs Word of mouth doesn't work if you're like trying to be like, hey, hey, I don't know you, but I play drums. Do you need me for anything? And they're like, well, I don't play music. So, no, I don't need you. But <laughs> if they um, if they're like, I don't. But, man, I've seen this dude's work out there. I've seen these people doing um, magazine articles on him. He's been on podcasts. The local news has done stuff on him. People are really sort of drawn to this guy who's doing all this stuff and I don't need him, but I'm very attracted to what he's doing. And the more people that know about you, the more work that could potentially happen. I mean, it's not guaranteed, but this goes back to, I can control 99% of the stuff out there. I can't control the luck part, but I can put myself in front of so many people's faces that that luck percentage, maybe, maybe it gets to like, instead of 1%, maybe it becomes 50, you know, 0.5% of mm-hmm. the, you know, the opportunity. So people are like, oh, so when you put yourself out there, what, what, you know, what's, what's one of those, what's a good way to do, do it? And I've always like thought of this analogy. It was like, okay, I, it doesn't help me to, to tell my story in modern drummer. It makes it cool to other drummers. Like, oh, that's cool. Like this, this other drummer is doing cool stuff. I'm not going to give him the work that, that I'm trying to get, but it's cool to right. see his story. But if I was in home and garden magazine, people would be like, why the hell is this drummer in home and garden magazine? I'm intrigued. I'm going to read that article. Mm-hmm. And so I've just put myself in front of an audience that has nothing to do with music. And so hmm. instead of just having the, the ident- the, you know, the visibility to drummers across the world, now I have the visibility for this whole other community that may or may not need me, but now I'm it. Now they know who I am. And that's the key to success is you need to just put yourself out there in front of everybody, no matter if they need you or not, because mm-hmm. eventually it's going to get to somebody who does need you. And you know what? Drummers don't need other drummers. So, right. but the guy that owns, um, a farm in, you know, Wisconsin may need somebody to like do the theme song and he's going to give you a hundred grand to do it. You know what I mean? So you don't know what the opportunity is, but you can certainly put yourself in so many places that, um, that no matter what somebody knows about who you are. And that's why I'm always sort of, when I, when I go somewhere and somebody recognizes me or I'm in the, you know, I'm at like a, uh, 
uh, music thing at NAM, and like I get to meet someone that I'm like, holy crap! Like I can't believe I'm standing with this person, and then go, oh, Jonathan Norman, it's really nice to meet you. I love all the stuff you're doing. It's like that to me is like, okay, what I'm doing is correct. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not anywhere near this person's level of success, but the fact that they know I exist in the world, then I've done my job. Right. And I think that's the that's the story. That's a long winded story about how to put yourself out there in small markets and large markets. The cool thing about small markets is there's less people going after the work you're going after. So if I'm one of five drummers in Boston that are the go to people for session work, it's better than me being one of a thousand drummers in Nashville all going after session work. So, mm-hmm. you know, and and technically in the world that we live in right now, you don't need to be anywhere. If there's been so many times where somebody's like, hey, I'd love to use you for a record, but you don't live in L.A. It's like, how long do you need me to be in L.A. for? You want me to I'll get an Airbnb for a month and we can do your record. Like, right. I don't I don't need to live there. I'll fly there. If you need me at the end of the day, I can literally be there in six hours. Mm-hmm. So so it doesn't really matter where you are it just matters about giving people an opportunity to say i want that dude on my record and so um i think understanding how to promote yourself and not just telling people hey i'm a drummer do you need a drummer if you don't need a drummer can you tell somebody else that that i'm available to be their drummer i mean that helps Mm -hmm. but but you want to make them want your product it's like uh, one of the key things for me is like I want people who don't need a drummer to be like I want to start a band just so I can use this guy. Yep. You know what I mean? And yep. that's and that's why I went back to school. So I literally went back to get my master's degree in how to sell myself as a drummer in the most effective way possible. What a weird way reason to go back and spend all this money in, in at a master's degree and you know what? It was worth it. <laughs> Not for nothing. I just paid off. Like I just wrote a check to cover all my school loans yesterday. And I was like, holy shit. I paid off all my school loans before I was 40. And I'm like, that's a huge success for me. Nice. You know? Yep. I think that the, uh, the one thing that, that you mentioned about how drummers don't need other drummers and you see it all the time, all of the, all of the stuff that's put out on social media. I mean, and I, I'm, not, I'm not picking on social media. I'm just saying that's where we see most of what other drummers are putting out. And it's all geared towards other drummers. And then I see it a lot where people ask me, like, how do you get more touring work or how do you get more session work? I'm like, you don't put up videos of you doing stuff that is all for other drummers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like... <laughs> Drummers don't hire drummers. Like you that's may meet, saying, yeah. you may have one drummer that's a friend of yours that like recommends you for gigs that he can't do or she can't do or something like yeah. that. But like, yeah. you don't want a Rolodex unless you have a drumming podcast. Like, you don't want a Rolodex of a hundred drummers. You're like, yeah. great. Yeah. Hey, do you got it's, any gigs? They're like, no, they're my gigs. <laughs> it's exact. It's exactly true. I mean, and that's kind of the thing that people are like that. I feel like is really funny because, but you know, they they do they do put a a piece of credibility on you know in your career it's like oh you were on the you had an article in modern drummer on your career like yeah that that puts some credibility and it puts a, like a some substance behind your name but you, so you you have to balance that out with getting your name out to people that aren't drummers so right like peer it, recognition you, is huge right 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 for sure uh but go ahead but i know but i have a lot of drummers who i'm like always 
t- uh, tell them, I'm like, hey, dude, if you can't make that tour, like, I'm available. And they're like, yeah, I know. But I also got, like, 40 other dudes that can do the gig, too. So it's like, yeah, I, I totally I totally g- get that piece. So that's that's the key for me is that those aren't the people that are going to get to work. Those magazines and the and the podcasts and the and the other drummers following you and seeing what you're up to, those are like your your peers. So if they're ever like, yo, you got to see what Jonathan's doing. It's really cool stuff. He was just in Modern Drummer. That's awesome. But it's the whole other side of the the industry. It's the it's the other people who don't read those drum magazines that are probably going to be the ones that you're going to end up finding opportunities with mm-hmm. it so, reminds me of a uh it reminds me of this is a loose connection but i remember reading this article and i'll link i'll link up to it in the show notes but it's basically the, uh the gist of the of the article is that you don't need to be great at everything you just need to be great at one thing and from that one thing there's all of these like ancillary things that that happen from it right and like how you know you end up in home and guard magazine and it's like it still stems from you being a great drummer it's just the way that you know the way the drumming opened up the door for this thing and this thing and this thing um and I think a lot of times people are like, well, how did that happen? Or how did this guy get this gig? Or how, why did they pick this person for, for that or something? It's like the drummer yeah. who was on the Advil commercial, you know? Right, uh, right. Like, like how did, how did these people get these, these other opportunities? And it's, it comes down to marketing. And it comes down to how you market yourself. And, you know, even for me, people are like, oh, I don't listen to your podcast. I'm like, you shouldn't. You're not a drummer. Don't listen to it. You're not going to get any, you're not going to get any value out of it, you know, cause you're a drummer or you're not a drummer. Um, and, but like, but I agree, like the way that you market yourself is you, for, for the way that I look at you is you've marketed yourself very well as a, as a session drummer for the people who need to understand that. But then there's also this other element where you're sort of just a guy who plays drums that has some success behind them and they're like, Oh, we can use him for this other thing. Yeah. We can, t- or, you know, whether it's getting you gigs or it's like, yeah, we can put him in a, you know, put him in a home and garden ad and, you know, because he's cool or whatever it is. Uh, I just think it's, I think it's interesting. I think it opens a lot more doors for you, which in the long run works out to you getting more session work. Yeah. I, and, and I just, there's, there's something to be said about, if if home and garden was like we want to do a story on you and we keep using home and garden probably not the best place to be it but you know if they were like hey we want to do an article on you i'd be like absolutely um but if that if they got to the point where they're like hey we're doing a, a like a project in which we need a drummer i might be the first person they recommend because for some reason they saw my name pop up in a really weird location. And they were like, well, that's the guy because I, I don't know any other drummers, but I always see that guy. And it's like, that's an opportunity that it would have never been created. Had you not thought slightly different about how you put yourself into the world. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's a very, like, it's a, it's a funny way of thinking about it, but that's kind of the, that's kind of like part of the hustle. It's like you, there are millions millions of people who are doing what, what, what we're doing. And you have to separate yourself just slightly, just enough to get people to be like, there's a, I've seen a million of these things, but this kid over here is doing something that's more memorable, memorable to me than what the other 
999,999 people are doing. And Mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. That's what you have to make an impression on people who, who are so inundated day in, day out with, you know, the same stuff every single day. And that's, and that's what kind of makes it fun. And that's sort of like, you know, it's really funny. It's like, we don't even talk about like playing, uh, like this whole conversation is like not even about playing drums. It's about all the other stuff you have to work on, you know, in order to find this little bit of success. And, um, so you have to, you, a lot of people don't like that process. They just kind of want to play drums. They don't want to do, you know, anything else. They just kind of want to sit around and hope they get that call. Um, some like me, it's like the hustle is as addicting to me as, as playing the drums. And I feel Same. like, you know, that's, that's what makes, that's what makes it really fun. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's like a full, it's a full-time job doing it. Mm-hmm. And look at how many stories you see out there of someone who ended up on a show or this or that. And when they find, you find out how they got the gig, it's like, oh, well, the producer's wife was watching some television show and saw the guy and recommended to the producer. And then the producer called the person that got them on the show or something or something like that. And it's like, and that producer's wife would have never been reading your article in modern drummer magazine, but you know, may have been reading your article in home and garden magazine. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think it's a longer shot, but I think it's a, I think it's, it, it gives you a infinite amount of options and opportunity versus like, the seven, you know, drum outlets. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's all about, it's, it's all about how many different places you can tell people your story. Mm-hmm. And from there, uh, if one opportunity comes out of it, then, then it was worth, it was worth it. If nothing comes out of it, then you move on to the next one. Yep. For sure. So if people are looking to follow along with what you're doing, I know they can follow you on Instagram. Is that the best place or, or would you prefer they go to your website? Yeah, or I mean, I, I like Instagram is cool. My website is, you know, kind of just kind of reiterates, you know, what, what I do kind of thing. But Instagram's fun because it kind of shows the different stuff that I'm doing. And um, all my social media is the same. It's uh, J.M. U drums. So Jonathan Matthew Allman drums. So JMU drums. Um, and one of the, one of the things I like to tell people is, you know, I'm not that superstar that you don't, that you can't reach out to and ask questions to. I like being approachable. I like that people reach out and ask me questions, specific questions, because, you know, obviously we talked a lot of generalizations, but if somebody is very specific, has a very specific question, I want to be able to answer that and see if anything in my story can help relate to what they're, you know, they're doing. So I, you know, I love when people reach out and kind of ask me, you know, from their perspective, how they can go about working on something. Um, so JMU drums, if, uh, if anybody wants to, to, you know, be friends, I'm down with that. Cool. Yeah, you're you're. Uh, I recommend people follow you on Instagram. The, one, you're you're a great photographer, but you do some unique stuff with it too. So, which I really enjoy. Appreciate that, dude. So, yeah, of course. Um, and then the, one more one more thing that you know, I don't. I'm not really sure when this is gonna drop, but um, uh, I am up for uh, session musician of the year uh, from the Boston Music Awards. So I've I've won it the pr- past three years in a row which is awesome, very humbling, but I'm up for, you know, the fourth one. So if people were, were interested in, in, 
helping me get some extra votes, they can go to bostonmusicawards.com backslash vote, and I'm in the Session Musician of the Year category. Nice. And I'll link up to it as well oh, that's, in the show that's notes awesome. so that, yeah, so that that's people awesome. can check it out for sure. Word. Uh, well, Jonathan, dude, I'm glad we made this happen. And I know it's been a long time coming, like you said, so I'm glad that we, uh, we, got, it on the, we got it on the calendar and we were able to record it. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time and being so open and honest about, about your career, how you build it, and, and the things that you're doing. So thank you for being part of this and continued success, my man. Yeah, Nick, I, I can't thank you enough for for um for having me and and i'm a huge fan of what you do to the community for the community and bringing everything together and all these stories together and it just uh, it's very i'm very grateful to be a part of it so um i really appreciate it well grateful to have you thanks again john all right dude all right talk to right. There you have it, the one and only Jonathan Ullman. And please go to the show notes, drummersresource.com forward slash session 520. And he is up for another, he's nominated again for best session musician for the Boston Music Awards. So if you go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 520, there's a link there where you can vote for Jonathan. And if you like the podcast, leave a rating and review. And... That's a bit like...